So would you turn with me, please, in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. And we want to read from verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together and in bewilderment, because of each one heard their own language being spoken, utterly amazed they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hear them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Isn't that awesome? Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? This is what I'm praying for, that there would be an amazement within our generation, but also a perplexing um, sense of questioning within our generation, and that they would say, what does this mean? And this is kind of, where everything starts to happen in the book of Acts. Based on this question, what does this mean? And of course, we started our series on the book of Acts last week. But this is so pivotal as we look at this passage of Scripture. What does this mean? Verse 13 says, and as a matter of fact, the whole book of Acts answers this question, not just this passage. Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the 11. Who, can anyone tell me? When we hear about Peter previously, what is the memory within your own mind? He didn't stand up for Jesus, he actually ran away from Jesus. Very, very significant. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose I say. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, and we're living in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Big, big emphasis is on the word all people. I 
will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. And that's still to come, this part of the prophecy. The the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And verse 21, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How awesome is that? And so today, the church worldwide is celebrating Pentecost Sunday. And the sad thing is that this gets mentioned only once a year in some Christian groups, and Christians only read this passage once a year. But when you read the passage of scripture, it says, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. There's no full mark behind the sentence. There is a comma. So God continues to pour out his wonderful Holy Spirit upon all flesh. Of course, the word Pentecost means, or yeah, Pentecost means, 50 days after Easter. That's when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. But then also very significantly, many say that on the day of Pentecost, the New Testament church was birthed. And so today is also a day in which the birthing of the church is celebrated. What I love about the book of Acts is that it gives us several examples of when the Holy Spirit was poured out throughout the book of Acts. And throughout the book of Acts, you see that the epistles were written and, you know, during the different stages of the book of Acts and times and where the gospel came out and churches were formed, the church of Ephesus was formed, the church of Colossae was formed. Um, the Philippian church, and we looked at that over the last few months, was birthed through Paul and, and, and Timothy Titus was there and a group of ladies who were just faithfully filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that many people got saved. My friends, these are all marks of the effect of a church that was bathed in the presence, the power, and the reality of the person of the Holy Spirit. God in three persons. Blessed Trinity. This is the incredible account then of what we experience today. And it revolutionizes the church. And you would remember last week I said that when we look at the book of Acts, we we're going to look at God's ways of, of, of stepping into what he has called us to do as individuals, but also as a church. And one of God's ways for us to complete this task is to do it through the infilling, the power, the presence 
that you and I can have with him and the relationship that keeps us moving forward and forward and forward. And my friends, Europe needs a gospel that is baptized in the Spirit of God through believers like you and I where the Holy Spirit's presence and reality just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's a good place to say yes, yeah. The reason why the churches in Europe stand empty is because um, the gospel is no longer preached because the person of the Holy Spirit has been reduced to a theory and in some places just a doctrine. And it is our desire as a church to see those old buildings filled with old believers and new believers. And a strategy for us as a church is to make sure that we remain bathed in the reality of the Holy Spirit. And this morning I'm going to give the Holy Spirit precedence in what I'm talking about because it's Pentecost. Amen? You understand that? Uh, You know how passionately I feel about Jesus. You know how passionately we feel about that message that Jen preached a few weeks ago about the Father's heart of God for us. But I don't think that Jesus and the Father will be offended if we talk about the Holy Spirit today. Amen? As a matter of fact, Jesus lifted the Holy Spirit's prominence when he said, it is far better for me to go so that I can send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the one who gives us courage. He will not only be with you, but he'll be inside of you. So Jesus gave the Holy Spirit prominence. And so this morning we want to give him prominence within our lives and within our church. I remember preaching a series on the Holy Spirit about four or five years ago and we as a church stood and we made a commitment and we would say we would never put the Holy Spirit in a box here because that means death. But he will only be, he will always be a realistic reality presence within our church and with the wonderful new group of people that we have here, we want to say to you that, that we love his presence within our lives and within our church. I honestly don't believe that I would be standing here eight and a half years after we had come here leading this church and this team if it wasn't for the personal reality of the Holy Spirit within my life. I would not have been able to do this. Ken and I, together with you, would not have been able to lead the church through COVID if it wasn't for his wisdom and for his presence, hands down. And so this passage is so dear to our hearts. Uh, Just two weeks ago, actually, we were praying into this time I remember just walking around here and I just said to Jesus, Jesus, I really, really believe in you. And I just felt within my heart something rise up. And as I said, Jesus, I shared it with Ken last I said, Jesus, I really believe in you. And then I stopped. And as I was praying here, I said, Holy Spirit, I believe in you too. You know, it was suddenly, I'm not sure whether I've ever said Those words, I've believed it in my heart, but I've never actually said it. Holy Spirit, as much as I believe in Jesus, Holy Spirit, and I addressed him in the first person, 
I believe in you. And it was like there was a real sense of me being baptized all over at a fresh. It is wonderful presence, it is wonderful power in that anointing that comes as we walk with him. And now it's true when we look at this passage of scripture, you know, there is a perplexing element to it. And there still is today because when the Holy Spirit is poured out, it is experiential. It's not theoretical. So it poses questions. And some people, unfortunately, have made it what it isn't. And so uh, people are put off by it. And I don't like that. I don't live in that camp. But I live in the camp where the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, where it is real and authentic within our midst, will come and it will be an experience unlike anything else. And there may be a perplexity, as the scripture says here, but there'll always be an amazement of his wonder and of his might and of him being so personal within our midst. And so again, just as a leadership team, we affirm our commitment to the person, the work, and the presence of the Holy Spirit within our midst. Because he, the Bible says, will highlight Jesus to us in every circumstance, in every way that we need. And so would you say we need more of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Would you say we need more of the Holy Spirit within our church? And the more is the essence word, because you see you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's a person, but he's spoken in terms of more. Scripture very clearly says that um, Christ in us is the hope of glory. Amen? That's the person. When it speaks about the Holy Spirit as water, as fire, um, as the wind blowing, he, it's, it's about more. It is not a person that you could just get your hands on and restrict and uh, you can't regulate him. Because that's what he, and that's what the church has done. And so when we regulate him, we form our doctrines around him and we make him so much less than what he actually is. And I think many of us have done that, including myself. And we want to make sure that if we could take the gospel much further than what we are at the moment, we need to say to the Holy Spirit, I believe in you. And if I hadn't said it before, I wonder how many of you had actually said it before. And I think that there is just such a joy within the Holy Spirit. When we just say to him, Holy Spirit, I believe in you. Wow. You know, because it is just the opposite within our lives. We believe in a whole lot of other things. And sadly, the church oftentimes just says, I believe in Jesus, I believe in the Father, but the Holy Spirit, who is he? And he's such an absolute gentleman that he prefers for glory to go to Jesus. But the Bible very clearly says that we can have a relationship with him. In the book of Corinthians, Paul says that we can fellowship with the Holy Spirit. There is a fellowshipping that happens 
with him. That's incredibly important. There's an interaction. There's a relationship that is had. And oftentimes within my life, I feel that I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the father out of it. And then I speak to the father more. That I feel like, oh, I'm neglecting Jesus. Then I want to speak to Jesus more. And then uh, I speak about that and I find out that I just neglect the Holy Spirit a whole lot more. You know, and I've come to realize that God is not insecure. Like I am. And when I speak to God, it is the three in one. But, again, back to my previous point. It is wonderful when we can ongoingly have more of his presence within our lives. It doesn't mean that we're less of a Christian. It just means we are more effective as a Christian in so many Many ways. It's amazing. I, you know, uh, I, I, I think as Christians, we can categorize ourselves as Christians who are like, like wood on a pile. We're dry, but we're Christians. And we want to be faithful to God, and we try our very, very best. And then, you know, you have Christians because of all that is happening, they become like dead wood. They have stopped being, well, they become like, 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 like wet wood. Yeah, they, you know, because of things, you know, God, they, they're not even faithful to him anymore. That's, you know, and that's just the picture that I had. And, 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 and it's like wet wood. And, you know, if you put a match to wet wood, what happens? There's just smoke not much fire. But if you take a match and you put it to dry wood, it just burns. You see, and that's what the Holy Spirit, it burns. And I thought, Lord, I'm quite perplexed by this. And then I felt God take me this morning, actually, just to that wonderful passage. And I think it is for some of you. In the book of Kings, where we read about Elijah speaking to the prophets of Baal. And if you remember, he was mocking them and they were trying to say, who's the true God? And he says to them, hey, come on, you know, um, let's get some pile of wood and you cry out to your God, I'll cry out to my God and let's see the effect of fire coming down from heaven. And so we see here that... um, Let me read this passage of scripture here. In verse 30 of 1 Kings chapter 18, and you can just listen as I read. Then Elijah said to all the the people, come here to me. They came to him and he replied, repaired the altar of the Lord which he had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, each of the tribes descendants of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come. Your names, and he says a whole lot of the things there. Then he arranged wood in verse 33, cut the bulls into pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it. Do it a third time, he ordered them, and they did it. And a third time, the water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, God 
of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Let it be known today that you are the God in Israel and that I'm your servant and have done all these things that you've commanded me. Answer me, Lord, and answer me so that these people will know you are Lord and God and that you are turning their hearts back to him. Then, verse 38 says, the fire of the Lord fell on, fell and burnt up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the swell, and also licked up the water in the trenches. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And I saw a picture of different categories of people. Those who were like dry wood. Those who were like wet wood. And we oftentimes say, well, it's the dry wood that's going to burn first. Well, my friends, it was also the wet wood. When the Spirit of God comes, he falls upon all flesh. And my friends, I believe that he wants to come and he wants to light us up. And for us to be this burning witness that started on the day of Pentecost and it flowed out into the Europe's and the nations of the earth. And I don't know whether the church needs this experience more. Yes, experience, but placed but awestruck in wonder. And on the other hand, that relationship with the Holy Spirit that comes through Jesus that causes us not only to be faithful, but to turn that faithfulness into a real sense of devotion. And so, The question is, what actually happened after Pentecost? We know that Peter, who denied the Lord three times, and even before the day of Pentecost, Jesus breathed his spirit upon them. And then we see that things went wayward for them and then came back and then Jesus restored Peter and then told them to go and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. They were together. And then the Holy Spirit fell upon them and upon all people there. We had this incredible phenomenon where people thought that they were drunk. They thought they had drunk wine around nine o'clock in the morning. But it wasn't cool to do it then. And then certain things happened. And this man who denied Jesus stood up proudly in the midst of all of that chaos that was happening. And it says, he together with the eleven stood up. And he told them what was happening. There was a Holy Spirit boldness. There was something within Peter and the other disciples that they had never experienced. You see, they were followers. Or should I? Yeah, they were followers who tried to be faithful. After the Holy Spirit fell on them, they were followers who tried to be faithful, who became devoted followers of Jesus. And this is my word to you today. I think some of you are really faithful. But in your faithfulness, you're like dry wood. There's not a whole lot burning within you for Jesus and for the things of God. Not a whole lot burning. But you're faithful. 
You attend church more than you actually are the church. You're faithful in doing these things. When you bring your finance, you bring it, but it's not something that flows from the bottom of your heart and you say, God, this belongs to you. It is merely an act, a transaction that happens. He says sometimes as Christians, we can become transactional in nature. But my friends, when the Holy Spirit is a reality within us, and he's living within us, when that fire is burning, it no longer just is a transaction. It no longer is just trying to be faithful. Peter, with all of his heart, tried to be faithful to Jesus, didn't he? Jesus spoke to him about, you know, um, of his death and his resurrection. And Jesus gave a wonderful sermon about, you know, you've got to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And Peter says, hey, Lord, not just my hand, not just my feet, but my head as well, everything. That was his desire. But when the time of testing and trial came, what happened? He denied the Lord. My friends, I'm telling you that there's a better way that Scripture teaches us, and that way is that when the Holy Spirit indwells us in increasing measures, my friends, what happens is that that would becomes a power that burns. And even if you feel like wet wood, where you don't even feel like being faithful, you're just not faithful anymore. Believe me, that God sometimes sovereignly comes and he just pours his Holy Spirit upon you. And you will start to burn. <laughs> and you turn into a devoted follower of Jesus. My friends, I believe when you get devoted followers of Jesus together, that's when the fire of the Holy Spirit starts burning into Europe, into the nations of the earth. But I wanted to first start with me. Because there are times when I'm pretty dry and when I just need the Holy Spirit to come. And I remember the Holy Spirit is referenced in terms of more and more and more because we leak and because of our mindsets, because of who we are, because of what we've been taught, because of what we've experienced. Oftentimes, there is but a small reality of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. He's God. And he wants to explode in us through his personality. And my friends, I want us to become jealous for that. I'm not jealous for the rubbish that goes around in the name of the Holy Spirit. Not jealous. That doesn't make me jealous. But I'm jealous for this which we are talking about today. That is what I desire. That's what I want to drink of. That river that flows from the very throne room of God. And so, in closing, and Renus, I just want to mention those bold points that I have there because I really want you to be jealous for it. There's an experience, but then there is a relationship that we walk in, fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. And after Pentecost, you will receive. 
a new boldness and an ability. Not to witness, but to. I chose my wording very, very carefully there. Have you ever had people say to you, well, you just got, got to witness, you've got to be a witness. I, I don't know. We become witnesses. That's a lifestyle. It's when the gospel starts to be all within us, not just an added on. Well, we've got to be a soul winner. Have you ever heard those terms that scared the living daylights out of me? God, I never, you've got to do that. You've got, I don't want to do that. You know, when I was in Bible college, it was kind of like, you know, I'm studying to be a pastor, not an evangelist. Do you know what pastors did? They went out on the roads, on the street corners, and evangelists spoke to the people who wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Pastors, they pastored people who wanted everything to do with Jesus. Well, the surprise I got in my life, that not all Christians want everything to do with Jesus. <laughs> so we compartmentalized, you know. No, we are witnesses. We don't try and be witnesses. We are witnesses. When the Holy Spirit's power indwells us, that is just who we are. Not just what we do, it's who we are. I just love it. I've seen this fire starting to burn within the people within our church. And now, wherever they go, <laughs> that's who they are to people. Secondly, after Pentecost, my friends, you will receive a new insight into the scriptures, hands down. Are you reading the scriptures and is it pretty boring for you? Well, all that you need to ask is, Holy Spirit, would you burn and would you fall on this pile of dead wood? And as he burns that wet wood, the scriptures will take on a new reality within your life. I think some of us need that. Thirdly, after Pentecost, you will receive a deeper passion and awe for God and his church. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, as happened in the book of Acts here, and you could read the scriptures there, and I don't have time to read all of them, but what happened was there was an awe and the wonder of God. If you've lost your awe and your wonder of God, just say, Holy Spirit, would you burn upon this wood? Or oh, this wet wood that I feel like I am. I try every now and then, and, but it's just smoke. There's no reality. Would you come? After Pentecost, you will desire more of Jesus in corporate worship. Listen to this. You will desire more of Jesus in corporate worship when the Holy Spirit falls on you. You don't come just to sing songs, but you come to worship Jesus. Do you see the difference if you do, which is just not your heads? When the Holy Spirit falls upon you and he indwells you and he becomes big in you and he overflows within you, singing words is no longer enough. It is actually worshiping him that changes. My friends, a congregation 
who have been filled in the Holy Spirit. And where he is a reality within their lives, they seem differently from a congregation who compartmentalize God. And there is no relationship with the Holy Spirit. I've been a pastor for almost 40 years. I've seen it. But all of us take steps into it. And we grow into this wonderful expression. After Pentecost, you desire more of Jesus in worship. And lastly, after Pentecost, your spiritual gift will become more dynamic. As a matter of fact, it will become supernatural. Because the Holy Spirit takes that which is natural and he turns it into something supernatural in every single one of us. Have a gift like that. My friends, I know because of the mission that lies ahead of us, I don't have enough of what it takes. And so God has given me you. And together, if we work in this team, as Peter stood up with the 11, and when the Holy Spirit is full of us, my friends, that is when we start to break through the obstacles and we start to cross the borders that are in our way. And I trust that that would happen within our lives.